Welcome to Gone to Texas, a podcast about AMC's Preacher. My name is Alex, and I have not read any of Ennis and Dylan's Preacher. And my name is Nick, and I have read all of Ennis and Dylan's Preacher. Today we will be discussing Season 4, Episode 3 of the AMC series, titled Deviant. While we will not be spoiling any of the comic and by extension any future plotlines of the show, we will be discussing the details of the series through Season 4, Episode 3, so pause this and go catch up before you listen to the rest of the episode. You can find more episodes of our podcast at g2tpodcast.com. That's the letter G, number two, letter T, podcast.com. We're also G2T Podcast on Twitter, and you can send feedback to G2T Podcast at gmail.com to tell us what you think of our podcast and share your thoughts on AMC's Preacher so we can read them on our show. Send us corrections, observations, or anything regarding Preacher or our podcast. And as always, if you enjoy this show or any other show on the Midwest Podcast Network, please consider heading over to mpn.bz slash Patreon and pledge as little as a dollar a month to making our network even better. Special thanks to Jason K. and Gojo, who have pledged at the level of $10 plus per month. Thanks, guys. Woo! Yes. Uh, so, we did get some listener feedback. There are people still listening to the show. We got a is, lot. We did. Like, actually. way more than I expected. There's a ton. So, I might... Uh, unfortunately, I might gloss through a little bit of it. There's also some stuff in the Discord that it might be good to touch on. But, uh, yeah, let's let's get right to it. Uh, so we heard from Anne by email. She said, Hey, Alex and Nick, I thoroughly enjoyed your recap of episodes one and two, as well as your off topic discussions. Good. Uh, a few thoughts and questions I jotted down while watching and listening. As for the plural for Humperdoo, my suggestion is Humpers do. <laughs> she said, Alex, you can cut this out if it's a bad suggestion. I think it's a great suggestion. I yeah. think she's fact, uh, referencing the idea of. Uh, the plural of cul-de-sac is culls de sac and not cul-de-sacs. That's interesting. Yeah, so humpers do, I think, is a very valid... If if humperdo is somehow rooted in French, then maybe that pluralization makes more sense than humperdo oh, or humperdoos. I did just read some tweet where someone pluralized something else in that same fashion, and uh, now I don't remember what it was, but it was really good, and it would have been really awesome to bring up at this moment, <laughs> Maybe well, it'll that hit sounds me like, like it would have been great. Yeah, <laughs> it might hit me like a bolt of lightning in a little bit. That's fine. We'll see. Um, and goes on to say, why do you think they dropped two episodes on us in one night for continuity? I don't know. I think, I think they just want to get it out of the way. Yeah, that's kind of that was kind of my thinking of like let's get it over. I'm kind of surprised it's not like a two hour finale too of like all right, there's basically just eight nights of preacher we're gonna give you. It feels like they're probably meeting timing for like. The Walking Dead or something like that and I don't know hmm. something of that nature I don't know nope. what the slate is like for AMC this fall but I wonder if the finale will actually be longer maybe not episodes yeah, 9 and true. 10 but maybe 10 will be like 90 a little bit yeah that's I, I hope so entirely honestly. possible I don't think I've seen any press releases that say otherwise like say either way but I think that's sure. enti- that they've done that before so <laughs> Uh, and also says the only things I noticed in the Jesse falling from the plane scene is that Jesse has a really bad black shiner and that you clearly see the phallic boulder in the background. Are either of those things the things you were referencing, Nick? Maybe. I haven't gone back to rewatch it yet. Okay. All right. Yeah, I went and rewatched it and I see, I just saw what Anne said because I read okay. her email first. But All right. So maybe what I saw in the background in reference to the boulder, I don't think it's the boulder, but my knowledge of the comics might be informing something okay. else. All right. So I do have to go back and rewatch it. All right. That's okay. Uh, uh, I, 
mistake I was going to, and I just forgot. That's all good. And says regarding MCMLXV, the uh, the Roman numeral date on the University of the Grail sign. She says, Alex, you are right. It is 1965. Masada Wikipedia noted that the archaeologist excavation dates were 1963 to 1965. So that's a great reason for why the university started. That's probably when... That's actually impressively accurate. Yeah, that's great. Uh, she says, Nick, I thought Frankie was a Baldwin too. And she agrees <laughs> that the pilot is the best character on the episode. Yeah, he's great. And down to the important stuff, soda versus pop. Uh, she says, I'm from the Midwest, south side of Chicago specifically, and we do always... Uh, we always said soda growing up, but we do add S and weirdly the to words. Examples. Yep. Jewel is a big grocery store chain down here, and you'll commonly hear people say, I'm going down to the Jewel, yeah. or I bought this at Jewel's. That is that is also, I think, represented here a little bit. 100%. Yeah. yeah for like, sure. For some reason, the one that pops to mind is Kroger. Like, I would hear people say, I'm going to go over to the Kroger. Yep. Or, yep. The, or the Kroger's. Let's if go to wanna, the A&W. And if, exactly. If you want to go full Michigan... The yeah. NWs, <laughs> the Krogers, <laughs> the yeah. Aces. Do the, both at the same time. The Home Depots. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Would it be the, the, the Home Depot? I don't know. It's the Homes Depot, I think. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? It probably is, yeah. Uh, South has... side of Chicago. And that's interesting. I would have thought Chicago maybe said pop as well, but I swear that, that's that got to be like a super concentrated Michigan thing. Cause I don't maybe. Think... I don't know. I'll have to. We'll have to do a little more internet research. I was listening to an episode of Dax's podcast armchair expert which i highly recommend and he referred to they just did a live episode in detroit yeah and i wish i had gone to it because it was peter krause they oh, don't, they don't say who beautiful. yeah they don't say who the guest is i don't think okay uh in advance and it was really wonderful it was a good listen it was really interesting uh but he he says at some point in like the recap or the the fact check portion of it he refers to pop as pop because i guess after the show they went to lafayette and got coney dogs yeah. and like did some other stuff and he mentions pop and he just says it so offhandedly that it struck me because i never hear it unless i'm talking to somebody here interesting from here that's awesome <clears throat> it's good he's carrying yeah. the carrying the torch out oh, to the west coast absolutely uh and also says diet dr pepper rocks thank you god but my current crack is diet and w root beer also very good and w root beer is a special kind of root beer if any, if anybody out there hasn't had a and w root beer ever yeah Especially even like not even necessarily the stuff in the can. The, well, the stuff at mug. the restaurant yeah. is the particular. Try to get it in a frosted mug if they still do that. Yes. Uh, and finally, Ann says, I laughed so hard when Nick sarcastically and sadly said, we're back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I did too. And Inside. She, she said, well, I'm glad you guys are back and I'm looking forward to the rest of Preacher Season 4. And as always, your extremely entertaining episode discussions, Ann. Thank you, Ann. Thank you, Ann. That's very, very sweet. Yes. Lovely feedback. Informative feedback too. It's informative. Just, it's and got facts. It's got opinions. Mm-hmm. It's got jokes. Yes. And please write back with your thoughts and feelings on Malort being that you are from chicago yes if you've had malort the uh she has to have i was just up north uh which is another michigan term i found people out of the state don't know what that means they're like what where Mm -hmm. canada no just up north uh and there were two friends there that had just moved to chicago and one of them had already had been exposed to malort Mm -hmm. and the other had not and she was like how do you know about malort and i was like well pull up a chair <laughs> i got a story <laughs> fellow midwest film nerd tim long's bachelor party featured a bottle of malort yes and uh the infamous leg- or famous oh depending yes. on how you feel yeah. about it and i carried that same bottle what was left of it with me up north mm-hmm. to the same gathering this time last year and made a bunch of my wife's family try it and they couldn't believe what they had tasted either so yep. 
Good. Good. I'm glad Malort is also spreading. You yeah. carry the, we carry the torch of Malort. <laughs> Sadly. <laughs> <laughs> the Malorts. Yes. Uh, Mark wrote in on Twitter, said, glad to have you guys back covering the show. That said, I couldn't help but think of this Simpsons bit by the end of the podcast. You two were pretty enthusiastic at the beginning, and then all enthusiasm, all that enthusiasm all but disappeared by the end, and he linked to a clip of Homer falling down the Grand Canyon, uh, you know, when when Bart's there with his skateboard. Yeah, that, that's an and, awesome bit. Yeah. That, it, it's a perfect encapsulation of how that episode <laughs> how we, went how we were feeling. in terms of enthusiasm. I was really looking forward to hearing from Mark. Yes. Thanks, Mark. Yes, I'm, we're, we're glad you're, you're back with us, Mark. Uh, Anthony wrote in on... Uh, on Twitter as well, he said, I think you guys should definitely do a Preacher AMC comic podcast after this season. Hmm. Alex spent this much time on this so far media a mediocre adaptation that needs to that it needs to pay off in the end. <laughs> I'm definitely on Nick's side with the show with how the show is with how the show is going and it's sad. You know, it hasn't been it struck me when I was watching this episode, episode three, it hasn't been sad until now. Hmm. Because there was hope. Well yeah, there was hope. It kind of feels like if you got to the end of like high school or like college or something and you were about to finish and you kind of looked back and were like, you know, if only I had tried a little harder, maybe Mm -hmm. my experience would have been better. Or maybe like if I had put in that much more effort or I do this kind of stuff a lot in my day to day, like look back and be like, man, if only I had, if I knew that girl liked me then (laughs) I don't do that anymore. (laughs) But you you know what I'm saying though? You kind of look, yeah, you look back and think like, and, and that's kind of the way it feels like with each season. It was like, well that they were, there was good, there was bad, but I'll take it. And Oh, there's another season. Cool. I have that to look forward to. And now that we know it's just the end and we're kind of looking back and like, it's, it's just going to be the final report card is like coming into focus. Yes. And it's going to be bittersweet. Yeah. Like there's a lot of real good stuff Mm -hmm. across all four seasons so far. There's a lot in this episode I loved. Yeah. So I'm optimistic still. Yeah. But I was thinking about the books today, just while I was driving. I was thinking about the comic, and I was like, "Man, it's just I, you really do have to read it, whether we record <laughs> or not." Well, I will. We'll, yeah, we'll figure See, it out. What makes me eternally sad, and I've talked about this on our other several of our other shows, is that you will always have the show first, and the show is gonna, I think, inform your book experience a little bit. Or Maybe you're, you're gonna like look at like the rendering of like Cassidy and Jesse and Tulip and be like, and see Dominic Cooper, right? Yeah. And while that's beautiful in its own way that that's your experience, it makes me sad as someone who had such a great experience with the book that you won't have the exact same one. You know that feeling yeah. when you like you're really into something and you want your friend to enjoy it in the exact same no, way. No, you're summarizing the <coughs> the 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 uh, the founding of Alex's tears and that. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> your 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 con in the Star Trek universe is not my con in the Star Trek universe. <laughs> Oh, that was so amazing. I always forget that's the origin of that. <laughs> yes. Yes. So Yes, if if uh, anyone who's aware of our <laughs> oft referenced uh, go, go listen to the Midwest Film Nerds episode for Star Trek Into Darkness in order to learn Is that when it happened? Yes. Oh, I thought it, it was, was at, during the recording. I thought of it was that at episode. the theater. Mm-hmm. Okay, I thought it happened when we went to the IMAX to see it. No, no, you, you, okay. you basically you were saying things that like I wish it would have happened this way, and then I basically started crying because I was like, it did happen that way <laughs> in 1965 <laughs> or when you know whenever the original series was on. But anyway, that is, <laughs> I do have to go back to listen to that. Yes, you know that's a movie that I've been really meaning to give a rewatch because. One of my friends insists that it's way better than I give it credit for, and I'm always like, "It's kind of not." <laughs> no, there's we, no way. <laughs> we also argue a lot about Star Trek Beyond, which I thought was mm. awesome, 
and they do not like. Mm. And uh, so I just think I won't like Star Trek Into Darkness anymore the second time. Yeah. But I mean, it's already been, what, what did it come out? Thir- is it 2013? Probably, yeah. Something it was like a good that. six years ago yeah. or something. I mean, sure. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, all right. Sue wrote in. She said, hi, guys. So good to hear your voices again. Sue. I really don't care how good the season is. It's just fun listening to you talk about it. Also, what is this word soda you speak of? And you mean to tell me there's no S at the end of Myers and Menards? What about Trader Joe's? Keep the laughs coming, your Midwest friend, Sue. Sue. So I think Menards does actually have an S. It does. It does. Yeah. yeah okay. I was making the joke because you said take the S from Menards yeah. and repurpose <laughs> oh, yeah, it. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> it just becomes Menard. Yes. My father-in-law loves Menards, and it's re- I've never set foot in one. And every time I, I see a commercial, and I'm like, what is that store? It's incredible. Yeah, he loves it. Uh, it it's a whole we could start a Menards podcast I think but <laughs> well if we ever do our home improvement podcast <laughs> yes yes what were we gonna what were we gonna call it? the Binford the, the Binford fi- files yeah. yes <laughs> man that's a passion project yeah <laughs> uh all right and then there were a few more comments here there was some s- good Discord stuff that went on uh Dave Steele said I haven't watched episode three yet I was out of town for this weekend but after cast decided to stay back it just feels like we're treading water after the flash forward that started the season and the first bit of the Masada breakout I was excited with the pace of things then we just grind to a halt and I don't get anyone's motivations for anything Hmm. I think I'm letting my two read throughs of the book inform my understanding of the characters too much it's great to listen to you guys talking about preacher again I love you Dave yeah thank you Dave uh yeah, sounds like you shouldn't have read the comics before the uh, end of the show. <laughs> yeah, that's it. I can't believe I'm it. loving it over I here. Can't, <laughs> I can't believe you read it twice already. Yeah, yeah, he reads way faster than I can. <laughs> yeah, that's the way that book is, though. Honestly, yeah. like once it get once an, an arc hooks you, it's just nonstop. Like, gotta keep going. Yeah, there's some. Pl- I had to look up actually a Wikipedia article of preacher side characters based on a couple characters that appear in this episode that we'll talk about. Yeah. Um, I wanted to remember their exact names from the book. And then it led me down this rabbit hole of reading about all the supporting characters. And I like got a little like misty eyed just thinking about how awesome some of these characters are that will never make it to the show. Interesting. What a bummer it is. <clears throat> Interesting. Uh, all right. Joseph also wrote in, he said uh, he was replying to Bruce and he said, at first I thought the pilot's code was just a joke and kind of funny, but on second thought, I thought the guy was essentially saying, Quote, you hold yourself out as a preacher and I'm just a pilot, but I'm going to try to save that kid and you're just here for your lighter, end quote. Then I saw episode three and now I think it's just a joke again. Yeah. yeah. But he, he also went on to say, uh, Nick, does comic book Frankie remind you of James Gandolfini in True Romance? That's the vibe I got in episode one. Wow, that's a real specific uh, citation. I've never actually seen True Romance. So. Really? Yeah. Oh, I don't know if you know this. I haven't seen it. Yeah, I was say, I'm not. I shouldn't. I shouldn't sound surprised when I say really. I should have been more really. Uh, yeah, Gandolfini and True Romance is True Romance is a movie that, excuse me, I like, but I yeah. only like it because all every single side character is amazing, and the two leads are insufferable. I do not like either of them. I don't like their characters. I don't like the actors. I don't like the. I shouldn't say I don't like the actors. Like exclude. Like I just don't like them in that movie. Yeah. I they're really difficult for me to deal with, but every side character is fascinating, and each one has like it, I just want to watch more of them, which is fine. Like it makes for a really interesting movie. <clears throat> interesting. Anyway, uh, actually, True Romance is sort of related to Preacher in a weird way, in that there is the Duke from Preacher who is uh, 
John Wayne that's talking to him. Yeah. Uh, the main character in True Romance has that also, except it's Elvis and not. Uh, yeah, you. Not yeah, you brought it up before. I yeah, think, and it's one of the coolest parts of the movie. That's awesome. But it's almost the exact same mechanic, which is really interesting. And I'm trying to remember which came first. I think True Romance actually. True Romance came is first. 1993. Yeah, and, and I think Preacher started in like 97. Yeah, that sounds about right. Double check. I have the internet. 95 actually, so okay, a little so bit earlier than same, I thought. In the same era. That reminds me, there is a listening recommendation I have to make at the end of this episode. Okay. If you will remind me. All right, let me it I'm, I'm be, gonna I'm gonna stick it into the notes here so that I do not forget. Okay. Uh but yeah, Frankie from the comic, I feel like he reminded me of somebody too, but it wasn't Gandalfini, but I could totally see that if you could transport Gandalfini from that movie, uh to now, that would be awesome because then we'd have James Gandalfini back, but also he'd be really good in that part. Yeah. yeah. I like this guy. I like what he's doing. It's just uh they've taken him in a very different direction. Yeah. <laughs> he is in the book. So that's weird. Yeah. Other side note, uh Gandalfini's character in True Romance is the third Vega brother from Tarantino. Because Tarantino wrote True Romance, yep. but Tony Scott directed it. Yeah. So Vincent Vega is John Travolta. Uh Vic Vega, I think, is Michael Madsen in True and Reservoir Dogs, their brothers, and Virgil Vega is Gandolfini in True Romance. Okay. They're supposed to be brothers. Interesting. Which is kind of cool. But they all could not look more different from each other. I guess <laughs> Gandolfini and Michael Madsen have kind of a similar thing, but Travolta's the odd man out. I think it's Vic, Vincent, and Virgil. Yeah. <clears throat> anyway. Cool. There's some useless knowledge <laughs> from my... Uh, film bro days in high school i'm sure i'll get a <laughs> round of bar trivia with that information yeah, you never know. yeah. all right i think we will go ahead with our recap here i uh decided for reasons we will discuss a little bit that it would be better to break this episode down by character rather than act break so we're gonna do it a little bit differently this time around um but we discussed this a little bit before before we officially started recording and um I just kind of felt like the editing of these first couple episodes is all over the place. And it might get to a point where it makes sense as to why, but I, I'm mostly like kind of the two... The, the big thing for me is that I don't really understand why we went back to look at the uh, Desaad house. I don't know why it was important to put Jesse on that plane at the end of episode two and then to come back and like revisit it. So I it, like it, it feels like they're pulling a card trick that I don't understand yet or something. Or maybe I'm reading into it and it's not really that important. I think it's uh, I hate to say this, but I think it's just a cheap way to make it seem more interesting than it is. I think they, uh, there's a chance that yeah, you think they're, they're pulling. They're trying to pull a Westworld season. No, not really. But no, <laughs> I, th I think there's a chance that they're waiting to reveal all the moments at which God has been present, so to mm. speak. Like we saw him with his little figurines and that, and they might be staggering this stuff weirdly chronologically. So then they'll do like a big reveal of like during all these particular moments. But at the same time, it feels like. I read this somewhere before and I wish I could remember where, but like when talking about like people who teach like screenwriting and stuff like that are so mean, but they're very like, they're right about a lot of stuff. And they say, when you have to just insert, 
if it's unmotivated, these like chronological jumps, if it doesn't service the story, then you're doing it just as a lame way to seem more interesting, basically. Yeah. And I think it's a very film school thing for like people to just play. They see a movie that does that, and they're like, "Oh, I'll just do that," because it made that movie interesting when it it didn't. It doesn't help the story anyway. Yeah. It, well, it seems like a very um, memento <coughs> discussion, right. yeah. which which like you know, what does that movie become when you put it? in order is it still a compelling story or not you know you can watch the chronological cut if you want to but like once again i'm just coming back to Gotti, where i just felt whiplash of like <laughs> where exactly we were in john Gotti's life throughout that entire movie that's a phenomenal example and actually. that's kind of exactly what i'm feeling in preacher in these first couple episodes of like oh god apparently Gotti's just informed my life from now on i so. have a feeling we're gonna mention Gotti in every <laughs> that, that's gonna be the kyle xy of this podcast good, good. Gotti, go watch Gotti. <laughs> yes i actually dug up a bunch of uh, I, I scrolled way back in my twitter feed from this uh film critic i used to like pay a lot of attention to it and they had a ton of tweets about Gotti when it first <laughs> came out in theaters and it was so <laughs> hysterical that's good i was reading all these and just like cracking up now that i've seen the movie yeah. and i understand it's even funnier than you think <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you're 100% right. The editing in that movie is nonsense. Mm. And there's all literally all you have to rely on in terms of time period, like when it is, is the makeup and which of his kids he's talking to. Yes. Because yeah. some of them are dead later and some of them aren't. <laughs> and it is just, that's all you have. Yeah. Because the, the, the settings don't change. Hair, hair piece is not reliable because it probably no. sticks around for too long than yep. it should in the, some the places. The wardrobe doesn't change too much. No. Nope. The, the look of the film doesn't really change no. to like denote older. It's That movie is crazy. Everyone watch it. Everybody yeah. watch Gotti. That's your homework. But, but watch it with people that will be able to laugh at it with you because you'll be mystified at how <laughs> yes. incoherent it is. And I guess the thing is, by the end of this episode, I feel like we lead di- almost directly into Jesse falling out of the plane, is the thing, which is weird to me. I hope not. <laughs> well, and that's that's what's weird, because we get that title card, obviously he's got the black eye, we get that title card of like, oh, a few months earlier, so it can't be, right? There's got to be more time in between, unless I'm just completely confused at what's going on. I agree there has to be, but I'm not sure what's going to happen. It seems like they're playing kind of fast and loose with their own rules. And I don't know why yet. Rules. So maybe in the end I'll be like, oh, that's fun. But I feel like at the end I'm going to be like, that was cute. And I don't know why, but. Yeah, I really want to I really want to be blown away by this season. But it just doesn't have the same feeling to me of like care and like handcrafted that every single episode of like season one did. Yeah. I was thinking back to... um. Ah, shoot. Again, while I was driving and I was on the way here, I was thinking about to a certain scene from season one. And now I don't remember what it was. But it, I just remember thinking that, like, every sequence, every... It was something with uh, uh, Fiorenda Blanc, I think. But mm. just everything had this, like, feeling of, like, they really sat and thought about every decision. And now it kind of feels a little more like... We're a, we're a bit on <laughs> autopilot. Of like yeah, I think they maybe maybe and it's hard to blame them, but maybe they mentally kind of checked out and started working on the boys a little bit more, or they just put other people in charge and were like, "Here's the roadmap, figure it out." But based on the screen time and <clears throat> structure of certain characters, it does feel like maybe they just ripped out whole pages of like the script and like their treatment, and were like, "We'll just move this up to here. We'll move this character here. We'll move A to B, X to Y." And we'll just get the show done as best we can. Yeah, they tried try, to pare it down. Try to salvage it, essentially. So I, and they may have had a roadmap for like five, six, seven seasons or something. 
and then instead they just had to try to fit in some stuff they wanted to fit in. And I could be a hundred percent off base with this, but well, this, we'll is, what my gut, this yeah. is what my gut is telling me. Yeah, no, and it's hard not to read into that kind of thing. Like they know the show's ending, so they gotta right hit certain beats, right? But it's just what did they choose to do, and what did, what did they kind of bunt it on, and things like that. Exactly. There's um. And like I said, you can't necessarily fault them. It's kind of a bummer, but do you know what I'm saying? I'd yeah. be curious to see if anybody else felt the same way, but I, f- I even remember in our reviews of seasons one and two and probably even three to an extent, talking about like, oh man, there was a shot that blew my mind and it like looked so cool and they were, they were, they were really were like using these cool camera techniques and there was just a lot more. It felt like a lot more effort put into it mm-hmm. in, in order to make it seem extraordinary. And I, <laughs> I'm getting ready to praise the sequence in this episode later, so I'm, <laughs> I'm gonna kind of uh, have to eat my words later. But I still overall just kind of feel that way. I don't. I don't. I've left almost every episode without feeling that there was anything super special yet. And I'm hoping that I'm wrong, and it's all just gonna the the the, the knot is gonna cinch and Exa- everything's yeah. gonna feel airtight. And I'm gonna I'm just gonna be like, well, that's that's what this editing don't thing I have is making me f- making me feel like it's like, like Westworld. Every time we doubted with Westworld, it, something awesome happened. Yeah, like, okay, there you yeah. Go. Which if you haven't watched that and you're listening to this show, go watch Westworld and listen to that podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because that's coming back at some point in our lives, and, yeah. and we'll keep doing that too. Yeah. Uh, I did want to say one other thing. We did get a quick note from Allison on Facebook. She said, I'm an avid and local listener of your Preacher podcast, and I'm glad the, sh- uh, glad the show and you guys are back. Just wanted to let you guys know that All American Rejects will be playing at Arts, Beats, and Eats. Any chance of a Humperdoo interview? No. <laughs> Probably not at all, <laughs> yes. But, I wish. That would be awesome. Uh, if everybody tweets Tyson Ritter and says, go on this podcast, he will ignore it, And but we'll all feel good we about ourselves. We will have tried. Yeah. I'm sure Alex will... We usually go to Arts, Beats, and Eats. Yeah. And you'll probably bring a pocket recorder in the <laughs> off chance that... <laughs> Run into him at the uh, Polish Village tent. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's where I'll be. Yeah. All right. Let's get going. We got Eugene and the Saint is where I'm going to start because I think it matters the least. Uh, <laughs> Eugene and the Saint trek through Texas on foot and get rebuffed by a driver while attempting to hitchhike. Eugene confirms that the Saint can hear Jesse when he uses the word. They make a pit stop at a diner and discuss what they're going to do when they find their way to Jesse. Eugene wants a sincere apology while the saint just wants to kill him. Eugene gets up to go to the bathroom. Uh, I'll stop there quickly. Okay. Um, I did kind of like that discussion. It feels like this ultimate, like I think Eugene is getting fitted into this spot of like pure good against the pure malevolence of the saint and it's it is i think to me it's working it's working more than eugene and hitler did yes um, weirdly enough yeah so uh, i get and maybe it's because i feel less bad about like you know i feel i i feel less bad feeling bad for the saint right or feeling sympathetic for the saint oh yeah in, in, he, he in sh- you ways. should feel sympathetic for him and in some way so i think his origin i think that dynamic works a little bit more for me um and then the actual important stuff that happens to them if there is any while in the bathroom eugene gets lured into a glory hole situation and subsequently gets busted by a sex detective who puts him in a car to be taken to an orphanage when the saint steps out of the diner to kill the man driving the car Eugene and the saint take the car and eugene prays for the dead man to go to heaven and to forgive the saint for killing him 
Eugene tells the saint that he's uncomfortable with all the killing, but the saint says it's all part of God's plan. I remember sex detectives coming up at some point in conversations. Yeah. Uh, I watching the episode i felt like it was it to me it felt like fan service because i don't see where it could really be going did you get the same feeling or is it i think so okay there's <laughs> they're not the first in or last instance of fan service in this episode no actually. i think that they like i said they're pulling a lot of characters in and just be like well let's just put them in there yeah the sex detectives are <laughs> they're really entertaining in the comic they're not in it a lot but they're really entertaining. There's two of them. I don't know if the dude in the car was supposed to be one and the guy yeah. in the trucker hat was the other one because usually they roll together. Uh, but anyway, they're they're really not even worth talking about anymore yeah. because that's probably all we're going to get from them. <laughs> yeah. They probably just use it as an opportunity for a one-off joke of somebody proclaiming themselves a sex detective, yeah. <laughs> which is really funny. And, and that, it just, it, <clears throat> I guess the weird thing is like, if that's all this really is, if it was just like a joke fan servicey thing, it feels so weird and useless to stop at in these last 10 episodes, so I almost feel like they might come back later for more, but... They might, but honestly, I don't really care if they don't. Yeah. Like, the acknowledgement of it was enough to make me, like, smile and go, like, oh, that's cool. It's it's basically like an Easter egg, you know? Yeah. For yeah. If, if you know, then you know. And if you don't, you just were like, wow, sex detective, that's funny, and, like, move on with your day. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and it was a cheap way to get a get an arse face joke in there with the right. with the hole in the yeah. in the stall. So, yeah. So the the sex detective was in the other stall, right? I don't know. I don't think so. I was thinking the way of, it was, was cut was one of them, and it was like entrapment, basically. Maybe, like potentially. I uh, and it, even though it's just confusion on yeah <laughs> part. Yeah, I I think. You could kind of read it that way, but the dude in the hat like busts into the bathroom and tells them both to like get on the ground or whatever he says to them. I think. Yeah. So I don't know. Might whatever. Not, might, yeah, really, it's not worth. Really doesn't matter. Yeah. Yeah, I uh, I had in my notes that I really want to like Eugene. Like I mm. I I do like him. I like him so much more than the comic R's face. He's like the only character that has benefited. Yeah. But they just don't know what the hell to do with him. And no. it's so, it sucks. It like bums me out. The saint, pairing him with the saint is like, it might be interesting, but at the same time, put a, throwing this anchor around the saint's ankles is just such a drag. Yes. Yeah. You just got to let him do his thing. And, <laughs> yeah. and that's when he works best. And it was at that point and, and also a point later with the angel where I was just, I just almost said out loud to nobody, like, why, mm. why, why are you changing it? Like, don't need to it's so good the way it is like just yeah. ad- adapt it don't revise it so yeah. much and it, obviously i'm just screaming into the wind at this point it doesn't really matter but it's uh I just i don't know like it is interesting but it's it's more of like a passing novelty mm-hmm. like i'm not getting anything out of that conversation because if eugene is kind of the ultimate naive good and the saint is the ultimate like cynical bad i don't even want to call him evil necessarily but i guess he is like neither neither of those guys is going to change their mind yeah. about what they are and and it's just it's gonna be what it is yeah my biggest takeaway from all that is that the saint ate his turtle pie oh yeah and then proceeded to go out and <laughs> shoot that guy from like a mile away yeah he didn't just leave it he didn't like have a bite and be like this isn't whiskey you know <laughs> he, yeah like it, it, he he might have enjoyed it a little bit at least you know i should be so hard on it because at the same time i am kind of enjoying the not humanization of the saint but watching him be forced into dealing with regular (laughs) stuff is kind of entertaining yeah Yeah. it is kind of amusing but 
I just don't. There's other characters I would rather. I, that's the thing is that I really liked him gripping the table when he finds out that the diner doesn't yeah, have whiskey. Yeah, like it was funny. Like he's just a hair's breadth away from destroying that Killing entire everyone. building. Yeah, yeah. Totally. But then Eugene figures it out. He's like, okay, what about turtle pie? Let's try some turtle pie out. Maybe that'll be good. Like, and yeah. Eugene's just kind of like trying to keep the situation together. Yeah. Make, make sure nobody dies as, as long as he can. It is like this weird, like, chunk and sloth situation from the Goonies <laughs> where they're they're just going to round off each other's edges. Yes. Perhaps. Yes. And uh, I don't know. It, it could be entertaining. I shouldn't be so quick to dismiss it. I just... I love the comic saint so much, and I think he's perfect. Yeah. So naturally, I'm going to meet it with a little bit of like discontent. But yeah. there are things about it that I do like. I think I do think Graham McTavish is awesome mm-hmm. as the saint, and I like I said, I really like Eugene. Like that. Uh, what's that actor's name? Ian, uh, Ian Coletti. Ian. Yeah, something like that. Is he in the opening credits? Is yes. he one of the top build? Okay, good. He's been top build since season two i think or something like okay, that so which he's is... received like cre- okay good because yeah. i honestly couldn't remember it goes by so quick now yeah because there's so many more of them i'm that... pretty sure he did yeah i think you're right uh i was just trying to remember what his little image was in his name and i think it's, it's him, him peering through the through the hole yeah okay yep. so I, ha- I did see the yeah as yep. soon as that shot happened i like laughed and then i was like i think i've seen that before so yeah that's <laughs> yeah that's from. okay yeah they're, they're he's he's fantastic and i just wish that i liked it all more yeah but uh yeah anyway yeah the waitress, what did she say? She has something that's really funny. I don't remember now. Oh. It was something about the whiskey, right? And like, if you don't like it, leave kind of situation. Yeah, there's... Oh, I, that was one of my other notes. The, uh, the Tom Hardy-esque groan that came out of the saint when she said they don't have whiskey <laughs> yeah. was so funny. <laughs> it's that low grumble of like discontent. Yeah, <laughs> kind of like when your dog is upset. They hear a car driving by several blocks away. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah that was great yeah that was very good all right uh next up i have featherstone maybe equally as unimportant featherstone is hot on tulip's tail as she notices an empty wig stands in tulip's wardrobe at her hotel she breaks into a meeting between star and hoover too as they polish a story about the Desaad house for the media and discuss star's beauty featherstone claims success <laughs> when she's really only just uh, got a hunch that Tulip is somewhere inside Masada. She bursts into the Grail Infirmary to find the doctor has already released Tulip. Um, yeah, what do you think about Hoover 2? <laughs> that made me laugh. Uh, just at the mention of it. He hadn't, he genuinely hadn't thought about what he was going to call him. And just no. said, Hoover, Hoover 2. two. <laughs> so that hotel room is where the season started, right? I think it... Well, I th- yeah, I think it's the same hotel room that jesse had his dreams in i think it's at the holy holy grail holy bar and grail motel yeah but where where we see future cassidy and tulip together i think I so think, okay yeah that's because as soon as i didn't I didn't make the connection until i mean i kind of suspected but once i saw featherstone in there and got a more of like a master shot of it i was like oh that's got to be the same room yeah or at least the same hotel um yeah i that that is actually pitch perfect featherstone star where she does genuinely make some sort of breakthrough, mm-hmm. but it's something that he's 100% disinterested in. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, oh, the thing you were working on that I wanted you to work on. Oh, no, not that. This. <laughs> and he's just like, <sighs> like that is persistent throughout the comic. Both Featherstone and Hoover constantly being like, sir, we solved this. And he's like, you did. And then they look and it's not what he wanted them to do. And he just does that thing Pipcorns does so well. Where he's like rolling his eyes. and uh, It's so good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we haven't, I feel like we've, 
we haven't gotten so as much hair star by this point in the season as we did in three. Mm-hmm. And it kind of bums me out. Like when it cut back to him in his office, I was like, oh yeah, hair star. Mm-hmm. I want to see more of him. He's just so amazing. Pip Torrance just kills it. But he's also really difficult to look at now, which is obviously part <laughs> of yeah. kind of the point. But it's just like, not only because it's gross, but just because I'm kind of like, eh, it doesn't really affect anything. But the conversation was very funny with, with Hoover too. It was good. Are are you sad that it's not the the French the French guy that we kind of talked about last season? How he's got like a the All Father has a right hand man mm. who's a French dude, and we were thinking maybe that would be Hoover too. Uh, no, not really, because this was very amusing. Where it's like he's a he's the perfect replacement, except he doesn't suck up to Star. Yeah, which is what Hoover and Featherstone did so well. Like well, just, he does in some way. They just worship Star. Yeah, but not the qualities he wants. Like not, the yeah. ones he takes for granted where he's like, yes, I'm very efficient and ruthless and all that, but but am I beautiful? <laughs> <laughs> no. Pretty good. I, I love that guy. No. Yep. I, I disagree. <laughs> yes. Hoover too. <laughs> so Hoover's totally gone. Then. <laughs> oh, for I sure. Was kind of, I was kind of like hoping that Hoover was still going to show up, and I was like, huh, <laughs> what a weird decision to make. A, to even turn him into a vampire in the first place was mm-hmm. very strange, and I still don't understand why. And then to just kill him. Okay. Yeah, it was like a weird Trojan horse and uh, I- I- into the Les Encompitants. Les, les en <laughs> uh, yeah. Les enfants du sang. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if Malcolm Barrett was just like, yeah, I don't, I can't, I'm not going to be here for season four or what the deal was that they just ended up burning him at the end. I, I will miss Hoover. Yeah. OG Hoover. He yeah. was, he was amazing. I almost would have rather <clears throat> had them like capture another vampire for, for star to do that with or something Instead like that. Instead of Hoover. But, yeah. Yeah. yeah Hoover. That's oh, a bummer. Wow. Anything else with Featherstone and the Grail and that one? There's still a little bit more with Tulip in the infirmary, but other than that... Yeah, not really. All right. Uh, Let's talk about Cassidy. Okay. The episode opens on a commercial for Toscani face cream, now with more foreskin. Cut to Cassidy chained up to blood bags and a constant circumcision machine in a factory in Bensonhurst, New York. He gets chained back up in Masada, and we learn that Frankie stopped Star from killing him so he could be farmed for foreskins. Called it. Yeah, yeah, you did. Absolutely. Frankie, the foreskin magnate, Toscani. (laughs) What'd you think of the commercial? It was really funny. It was pretty, yeah, nice boilerplate. I was really hoping beauty that. Beauty product commercial. Yeah, when the man first started walking up with the commercial and the tux, I thought it was Tom Brady. Oh. And I was like, that would be so fucking amazing. If, they had, the if they had landed like two celebrities yeah. to be in that, that would have been the, the icing on the cake. And I'm like, man, Seth Rogen knows enough people. Just gets He should have called somebody. Absolutely. Like, I, I, I almost thought the dude was Joe Manganiello for like a split second. That would have been all equally 100%, as good. Yeah. And, and yeah, if it was him and even who he's dating uh, Sofia Vergara. He's married to her. Yeah, he's married to her. So that would have been a good couple pairing for that the, the foreskin been, cream commercial. Been awesome. But uh, it should have yeah. been. Uh, that reminds me of on. Uh, I don't remember who's. I think it was also Dax Shepard's podcast. And Jake Johnson told a story about Seth Rogen just being like hang out with him for a whole evening and thinking it was the best thing ever and his wife was like who who's he yeah like, yep. not, not impressed she's not phased by celebrities and he's like that's how i know she's like so great because yep. just that status doesn't matter to her reality check for him yeah yeah uh yeah that was very well done when it opened i, I knew it wasn't like a hulu commercial or whatever yeah i knew it wasn't like that kind of ad and i was like oh what is this going to be marketing <laughs> and then <laughs> sure enough 
With red on the label. Yes. With more foreskin. Yeah. Yeah. Good stuff. So obviously this was a flash forward to him and Bensonhurst. And then. I don't know that it was because they show him getting carted locked back up. I think it was because he's not at Masada when Tulip gets into the cell. And the angel's like, yeah, he's gone. He went. I miss him too. He's on his way to Bensonhurst. If that's the case, my mind is blown. Like I don't I don't get it. That's what that <laughs> I was feel my broken. Yeah, that was my <laughs> takeaway was that he wasn't actually there yet. That when we cut back to him, we get the recap. We actually got footage from the previous episode. The recap of him being shot, the foreskin harvesting, the whole speech about cuz you think you deserve it, all that stuff. But not not quite. See, the weird thing is they do the they do the commercial. They uh they show him at Bensonhurst and the truck driving off and then I'm pretty sure let me double check my notes here let me let me go through uh yeah so I wrote commercial for Tuscany face cream cut to cast hooked up to a constant circumcision machine cast gets locked back up in Masada Frankie explains star wanted to let cast burn but then later on here, I also have replay slash reminder of Cassidy's foreskin removal in class and Frankie's repeat client talk. So that's it's there's a reason why I feel like it wasn't a flash forward, and I but I don't I just don't know like that. I think it my is. brain is broken now. <laughs> well, we'll find out. Yeah, I just don't see them flying him back and forth from Masada to Bensonhurst. That was the thing. Is that like a, I? I felt like it was like a trial or something like that, or like it wasn't like the final move or something. But I, who knows? Yeah, I think that that's also part of the point. Is like Tulip finally gets in to rescue him, and he's no longer there. He's, Straight up he's gone in the states. Something too about the way that he and the angel were talking about Brooklyn or about New York made me think he hadn't yet gone. Like the angel was trying to like paint some hope for him. Like there's a lot of Irish people there or something, but yeah, we'll see. All right. Uh, in his cell, Cassidy feels resigned to his fate at Bensonhurst as the angel asks what his next move is. Cassidy says there is no next move because he deserves Bensonhurst. We finally get details on Cassidy's backstory. Cassidy was enlisted in Ireland to fight against the British during World War I in 1916. He lost his friend Billy on the battlefield and turned his back on him when the Brits came to kill him. As Cassidy headed back home after deserting his battalion, he gets accosted by a swamp vampire and gets turned. Cassidy eventually reaches his home and sees his grandma looking for him, but decides it's best that they don't see what he's become. We finally got some Cassidy backstory. Yep. <clears throat> was it uh was it what you wanted it to be? Is it Ooh. Uh in ways, yes. The actual like transformation or the the instance of him being bitten was like perfect. Okay. Except for it kind of went on a little too long and incoherent underwaterness. But like that part in the books is horrifying mm. i don't know why it bothers me so much but there's something about it that is just really gruesome. you've got a you've got a uh a open body of water like fear of shark type thing oh yeah and so maybe it plays into that a little bit for you do you think or is it more than that uh i mean water is scary 
but uh no i don't think so okay. you, you got to read it like when you okay. read it you can yeah. see the way it's laid out plus the way cassidy is when he's a human still is different they they go the opposite route in the show mm. so uh, i don't know how much i want to talk about it i don't think i probably shouldn't yeah He's very he's different in the show than he is in the comic. Okay. Pre vampire. Okay. Um <clears throat> So it it wasn't as bad in the show, but in like the book there's just something really pathetic and sad about it when he gets bitten. And okay. it just you you really genuinely like feel really sad. And in the show, it's it's not as sad. It's more just kind of creepy. But I expect <laughs> this is a bummer. Based on how the season's been going, I kind of expected it to be a really lame, like <laughs> the swamp witch vampire thing but it looked pretty sweet yeah i was like oh wow they actually went for it like i was impressed with like the makeup and like mm-hmm. the rendering of it, the way it flew out of the water at him but uh there's something way more unsettling about the way it happens in the book Interesting. because it's it's even it's less it's less big uh it's much bigger in the show there's like a struggle and like it leaps out of the water at him in the book it's much quieter which is also what makes it so scary mm. It's kind of like the idea that like like in horror films sometimes the big slasher kills aren't that scary they're more like spectacle but it's like the hor- the horror movies where people just walk up and stab people that it's like way scarier to me. Yeah. Because it 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 just it can happen so quickly and quietly it doesn't have to be big and showy. <clears throat> and I think that that's uh it's like that scene in Zodiac by the by the beach or the I'm sorry the park the, yeah and the, which is like yep. the most infamous scene is so disturbing because of how plain it is mm-hmm. and it just happens and it can happen that quickly uh, and there's something about the way it's done in the book that's much more in line with that plus he's not alone in the book there okay. is a witness to the instance and it makes it even sadder that he's just is like this is happening to him and someone's just watching it basically so uh, it's what it's better in the book but I did like it in the show like okay. I, I'm glad that we at least got it. Um, I was distracted though because I spent most of the time at his like the little shack where he lives yeah. thinking like so where in Australia is this that they made <laughs> look like and I was the too Ireland. busy yeah I was too busy thinking about whatever sort of LUT they applied to the camera to make it look like Ireland yeah in quotes not Australia uh, but it's good that you know we saw him when he was like regular. I honestly wish we had more of it because as it got rolling and it got to the 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 moments in the city and stuff, I was like, this is some of the most interesting stuff we've seen this season. And yeah, I, I would like to see even just a little bit more. But again, it it's good. But the way it's handled in the book is just ultimately better. The way that he is spooling out this information, he's not telling it to the angel in mm. Masada. He's telling it to somebody else, and it's. It's uh, it's a little more impactful in the book, but I did like it. Um, I liked the 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 war stuff um, was pretty cool. It looked pretty authentic. But again, the editing, he's just he's there and then he's suddenly in the swamp. And I was like, could I get a shot of him running away? Like <laughs> anything to kind of carry. Yeah, me. you kind of have to imply that he like deserted his post and and. Yeah, I yeah. just needed something to carry me into that scene. It just happens, and I was like, "All right, we're here." And once I got excited, though, once I saw he was standing in the swamp water, and I, I was like, "Oh, hell it's yeah, coming. it's they're, coming! They're doing it." Yeah, I got excited. I was like, "Sweet!" And uh, it was pretty effective. Um, but then again, all of a sudden, he's just outside his house, and like he has just he has just made peace with the fact that he's a vampire. And in the book, he doesn't... Yeah, like, he automatically already knows, like, this is what I am. Yeah, There's exactly. no discovery of it. There's and... no internet. Yeah. I, I don't know if he's <laughs> if he's read Dracula yet, but, like, 
in the book it takes him a beat to understand like he he like there's the why am i thirsting for blood and then there's the know. why can't i be outside in the mm-hmm. sun and, and all that he there's a there's a process of discovery which which just compounds the horror of the situation yeah because not only was he attacked by this thing and left for dead but he like comes to and he's like there and then you know the the sun is hurting him and also yeah exactly like it's just i was a little shocked here's what i'll say like i was a little shocked that it was just we're doing this in an act break <clears throat> this yeah. is a th- this is the thing that like in the days of 22 episode seasons of buffy we would have gotten a full episode, a full episode. of just cassidy yep. you know and honestly that's kind of what i wanted well, yeah uh, again Man, I'm just a broken record, but <laughs> the way it's done in the book is perfect because it's in it's in like a two it's over the place of two issues, I think. Okay. And it's when he's just having a conversation with somebody and you just spend the full issue essentially on it. And it's great. It's exactly the way it should be. And yeah, I would say I mean, give it a half hour at least. Let mm-hmm. it breathe a little bit because it's a it's a really interesting origin and you get to see him uh as a more human care as a human character. Granted, the show Cassidy is not as far removed from humanity as Comet Cassidy. He's definitely got some more human tendencies still. Uh, like, Comet Cassidy does not feel shame about anything that he is or yeah. does. So the fact that show Cassidy is, like, throwing the pity party and saying, like, I deserve it and all that, that's already very different. And, and But, it you know, it, it makes it makes the origin even more sad when you're reading the book and you see, like, what he once was. Mm-hmm. And, and you realize that you know what a hundred years will do to somebody essentially um and i doubt we'll get any more cassidy origin which is a shame because there is more depth to him like when he comes to the states and all that you do spend a lot more time with him and it's some of the best stuff in the books honestly Mm. it's amazing you get most of that stuff later on in the series though which i I think but uh it does they do they do a great job of just kind of sprinkling it along throughout the book um, so you don't get like a ton of Cassidy up front or in the middle or at the end. It's it's very it's very nicely laid out. Interesting. But as as the show goes, I liked the sequence. Uh, I thought it worked well. Hopefully, it helped some viewers understand a little more, or hopefully, it doesn't feel like too little too late, or just kind of crammed in there. Yeah, I mean, it took till season four, and that's you know what the I mean? thing is like it took till season four, and they gave it fifteen minutes, and uh, like or maybe twenty, but it it kind of just like. I honestly wanted more. I thought it was going to be more, and I thought it was going to be a little bit more. Um, I thought it was going to carry more weight for me, and yeah, I don't think it did. Like it, it just kind of, you know, the I only- don't even necessarily know that I feel as though he would. Like, why is it taken him a hundred and something years to feel that he deserves to be tortured for the rest of his life? That is a great question. I'm actually not sure why all of a sudden. Why why is he reckoning with it right now? You know, why didn't it come up earlier in his lifespan? Why hasn't it plagued him the entire time? Did it impl- did it plague him the entire time? I don't know. And so I don't necessarily know that I just kind of buy that as his reason to resign himself to get taken to, to Bensonhurst. But at the same time, we kind of get indications that he hasn't necessarily done that, which we can we can talk about shortly, but. The only thing I did really actually enjoy about, or an additional thing I really enjoyed about the sequence was that the the angel kind of telling him like, I forgot the exact quote, but he basically says like, we were we were touched or something like that. Yeah, I might have it right here. Cassidy's talking about uh, he didn't think the angel people angels 
took pity on him or anything like that. And the angel's like, no, no, we did. Yeah, yeah. He said we were touched or something. Yeah. He didn't say a lot, but. And then he. Cassie says, in the end, I just thought it's better they think I'm dead, you know, instead of seeing what I'd become. I turned my back on a friend in need and I got what I deserved, you know? I don't blame you angel types for giving up on me. Yeah, just another Irishman feeling sorry for himself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that the the angel that was interesting mm-hmm. the way he's kind of said that, and I, I feel like that should have bought Cassidy some relief to know that like some of the heavenly host hadn't given up on him. Mm-hmm. That they that his story mattered to them. That he that he mattered to somebody and somebody you know upstairs. Mm-hmm. And the the bit of his, the angel shaking off a feather to come down to him as he was like singing that Irish song, I was like, I, I really liked that moment. I yeah. was like, this is really... Well, it does get like started with a fart. I don't know if you heard that or not, but the angel like farts a little bit. The feather falls off and he starts singing. Oh, is that why? Yeah, so there's a nice little fart joke. I didn't catch that. Oh, yeah. There you go. So that, that <laughs> seems about right. But uh, I did like it though. I kind of liked that... Cassie had somebody sort of on his level who's not a human mm-hmm. who has also seen all these parts of the world and can kind of converse with him in that way that nobody else can. Yeah. It kind of made me start to enjoy them as cellmates more than I was because the whole time I was just irritated at how they're using the angel or not using the angel. Yeah. And now I'm kind of like, this is probably his only function. I did like the angel's hair. That yeah. was pretty awesome. His hair is pretty It's pretty out of the comic actually. Hmm. Uh, the angels have very distinct looks in the comic and it's pretty crazy. That's cool. But uh, they did get that part, which is pretty neat. The rest of it is very weird and I don't understand what the hell they're doing. I actually have in my notes that I, I thought the angel was not real initially. Mm. I was like, oh, they're not even, he's not even actually there. It's just Cassidy's. It's a figment of Cassidy's imagination. Exactly. Yeah. Until Tulip sees him <clears throat> at the end of the exactly. episode. Right? Yep. But I would have, I was starting to feel really good about my theory that the angel was not actually there. And this was their way of using the angel from the book and psyching out the viewers and the readers. Hmm. But apparently that's not the case. Yeah. Um, Oh, I could not, when I was reading the book for the first time or pretty much every time I could not for the life of me figure out how Pronchus was pronounced. Yeah. Cause when you look at how, when you read it, you're like, what? Pronsias. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Cause the fir- Stupid Americans. I didn't know it was a name. The first time I read the book, I was like, what is this word they keep calling him? Yeah. 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 Which actually helps a lot with the uh, with the book. But anyway, um, yeah. Yeah. We'll, yeah. We'll talk about that if we ever talk about that. Uh, so he so <laughs> Cassidy and his angel friends sing Irish, uh, Irish folk or drinking songs in their cell. We see the angel goat and Cassidy remarking that there's plenty of Irish people in New York. Uh, oh, I did skip over a little bit. The angel's touched by Cass's story, and when he farts, a feather falls to Cassidy's feet. Cassidy remembers his grandmother saying, the angels will be watching over you as he looks at the feather. Uh, and then as Frankie and his men cart Cassidy off to Bensonhurst, we see Cass has the angel feather with him. Uh, I don't. I don't know if it was sharpened or not. It's, it kind of seemed like it might have been like you might have honed it to a point. I mean, it's a, it, like a quill might be a little pointed anyway. So an angel feather uh, might be a good shank. Yeah. Yeah. Sturdier than a mm-hmm. normal feather. Or it might be good to pick his way out of uh, mm-hmm. shackles, something of that nature. Uh, all right. Tulip. Tulip is in the Grail Infirmary. And while she looks OK on the outside, they want to conduct a psychological test before she can leave. She starts a fight, but ultimately gets sedated. Uh, what'd you think of that fight? Yeah. 
That's fine. And pretty kind of unremarkable. I'd sad because I feel like um, I think Ruznega is really good at selling uh, fake punches and elbows. Yes. Like I, I'm really impressed by her ability to do that. Yeah. I, I will say that for sure. Yeah. The I don't know if the thing that really cheapened it for me. I'm kind of getting more um, dismayed. I don't know if that's the right word. I, I'm I'm getting a little bit bored of these weird source music needle drops. Yeah. Not only in this, but in like everything. Yeah. Like it, it, it feels not that it hasn't been a thing in the past, but I don't know. Maybe people just aren't making good music choices and it's getting to me now, but yeah, they were better ones. Uh, what was the one that played when Jesse is first fighting all the Grail people? Do you remember? I'm not sure if I do. You remember the scene I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. it was something silly. Like in terms of the, it was a, a song that it wasn't Hallelujah by Leonard Cohen, I don't think, but something along those lines. Yeah, no. Uh, unfortunately, I probably yeah, have it written it down somewhere. Matter. But anyway, I agree with you though. It kind of dropped in, and I just was like, <sighs> I yeah. felt the same way I felt throughout pretty much all of Guardians of the Galaxy too, where I was like, oh, another source song, <laughs> juxtaposed with people getting killed. Mm-hmm. Wow, <laughs> sick. <laughs> I don't know what that noise is, but I'm gonna put it on the podcast network uh, <laughs> soundboard. <laughs> Uh, all right. Tulip feverishly dreams about the words in Jesse's letter to her, supposedly calling her a stupid, cheating, lying bitch. As she wakes up chained to her hospital bed, she learns the doctor joined the Grail to help people. <laughs> do you think the letter actually said that, or do you think that's what no she's feeling in her mind? That's what she's feeling. She's yeah. feeling the guilt of lying to him about. If the letter said that, we have definitely failed as an adaptation. <laughs> Jesse would never say that to Tulip. Yeah. So uh, there's probably a later reveal of like here's what it actually said, I assume. Yeah. But the first part might have been accurate. Mhm. But not definitely not where it went to. No, no. Yeah. Um but yeah, the moment of the doctor being like I actually joined to help people, <laughs> you know. Funny. And and just kind of I felt like it was a little bit of like, oh, not everybody in the grail is an idiot and there for the express purpose of subverting world power or yeah so yeah that's uh that's thin ice maybe an organization like the grail yeah yeah it's like getting ready to say that there's fine people on both sides (laughs) (laughs) that just isn't the case good good uh all right tulip finds out her psychological evaluation indicates she's a quote uninhibited deviant with a personality disorder prone to psychopathic outbursts and a gun fetish and unresolved abandonment issues she basically agrees and the doctor offers her sympathies as she remarks some people just can't be helped that scene cuts to cassidy locked up Mm -hmm. and i thought it was pretty on the nose but kind of like the a, a more connective tissue between Tulip and Cassidy of like yeah, two people that don't necessarily feel like they can be helped out of their situations and the, and the people who they are and what they've done in their life and that kind of thing. I don't necessarily know that it carries as much weight with Tulip since she's not an immortal vampire, but yeah, you know, I think it works. Uh, and then after Featherstone finds out Tulip was released, Tulip finds Cassidy's cell empty as he is getting transferred to Bensonhurst. So, 
All right, and then finally, most importantly, we have Jesse. A lot of stuff happened with Jesse here. So, um, while on the plane, Jesse recalls what happened at the Desaad house. Upon opening the door, uh, Jesse gets smoke blown into his face. When Jesus Desaad descends from the stairs, Jesse asks about the boy we saw in the window. He doesn't like what he hears, so he punches Jesus out and heads upstairs. Um, what do you feel about the Desaad house and this depiction of of Jesus? It's pretty perfect. Yeah. Yeah. You know, he's a... He's a really distinct character from the book, but ultimately pretty inconsequential, I think. That was what struck me as weird, is that he's dead by the end of this episode. That was surprising. Was it? Okay. That was a little sudden. But they don't, you know, I think that I, in my mind, and probably potentially a lot of other Preacher fans make more of him than he really is, Mm. because he is so distinct, and his his, uh, appearance in the book is not long. Okay. But he has like one of the co- he's like on a cover and he's extra gross looking on you know, <laughs> through the uh, renditions of uh, I forgot the name of the cover Glenn artist. Fabry Glenn Fabry yep yeah. uh so yeah he's the casting is pretty pitch perfect like he looks pretty disgusting and and pretty much as he does in the comic but yeah the house has the same general vibe of just like debauchery weird, weird, and yeah exactly. deviance and. It has the sinner's welcome sign outside and all the masquerade ball kind of theme. That part in the book is actually weirdly kind of funny. I mean, you could say that about pretty much any page (laughs) of Preacher, but there's something really funny about him, about Jesse, and in the book, all three of them are there, I think. Definitely Jesse and Cassidy, at least. And as if I recall, they do end up getting into a big giant fight, and they end up just like beating up everybody there, which is really amusing and you're just kind of like enjoying it because they stick out they look like the two people that showed up to a halloween party not in costumes <laughs> like they look really funny okay like just the way it's drawn yeah so it's it's definitely kind everybody of a, else is really stylized and they're just yeah people <laughs> yes and he's just dressed as a preacher and cassie just has like his jean jacket and like sunglasses, sunglasses yeah. yeah um but yeah i do uh, the sex detectives i think are there actually okay in the book for a little bit and man see i gotta I gotta reread it all again now to remember. I think it's it's in the it's definitely in the first half of the series. I think it's actually pre Masada. Hmm. I think that uh yeah. I, anyway, I won't speculate any further, just stuff that I already know somewhere. The man playing Jesus Desaad is James Smithers, and he has literally one other credit. <laughs> and it's a short called Double Date. Is he Australian? Uh I don't know that this information no, it doesn't say on okay. IMDb. So he may be, but it's probably uh, a local. Um, but he's Smithers. got such a distinctive face, it's, it kind of blows my mind that he hasn't been in more stuff. James Smithers. Um, I feel like if they were going to make a Preacher film and they would have had him in there, uh, he would have been played by Michael Sheen. Just seems like yeah. the type of character he would have played. That makes sense. I could see that. Oh, yeah. Here's his Glenn Fabry cover. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty nuts, right? Yeah. It's gross. Yeah. Or David Bowie. What if David Bowie played him in a movie? <laughs> yeah, I don't think he would have gone for this role. <laughs> Probably not, no. <laughs> um, all right. So Jesse stumbles through the upstairs hallway and finds the child being photographed for money. Uh, he kills the man taking the pictures, and the boy gives him the, his shoes and wallet, wallet back. It, we, I, we can confirm it is the same child that yes. stuck Jesse up earlier in the season. Um. 
As Jesse goes to leave, a horde of people approach to fight him, and Jesse ultimately kills all of them, but in the midst of the fight, it turns out Jesse likely shot the boy unintentionally. Jesus decide comes to complain about his broken nose to Jesse when Jesse brutally destroys him. Um, so in a lot of ways, I liked this fight scene. Um, I did feel like you could really feel where they were trying to stitch the big hallway fight scene together with single takes. Mm -hmm. Lots of going into Jesse's. It's always they zoom in on Jesse's back because it's It's black. black, Yeah. yeah. So uh, that I feel like I can feel them trying too hard. But when it blew out into like the big splash page of like all three segments of the hallway, I thought that was fantastic. Yeah. It was really cool. <laughs> they did a lot with this. Uh, I loved so the the same the same thing is pretty much what sets Jesse off in the book. Like he finds he's down with like pretty much everything that's going on. Yeah. At Jesus decides like it's pretty it's all gross and weird and he's like not into it. But he's like whatever. It's a bunch of weirdos. But when he goes in, when he sees the kid in there, that's when he's like, and that is the moment where as the reader you're like. Here we go. Yep. And you know, Everybody's yeah, dead. you know that, yeah, exactly. The <laughs> sleeves are getting rolled up and some asses are getting whooped. Um, and in the show, they did a great job of, uh, yeah, this is probably my favorite fight scene in the series. Wow. Yeah. I loved Interesting. all of it. And I don't, I don't mind them going in for the cut points cause I get it. I'm like, as long you got a, you got Dominic Cooper doing it. It's not like Daredevil where his face is hidden. So you can just it's stick, very, you very can stick in a stunt double and no one will be the wiser. And it's it's not like Dominic Cooper is very capable in these scenes, but I don't know his background. I don't know if he has like a real fighting background, but he sells it. I mean, he looks, yeah. he looks awesome and I, I buy it 100%. And so I don't mind. Like that doesn't bother me if you build those kind of things in because I'm like, you, you got to have a way out, I'm sure. And uh, But the moment where they blew it out was awesome for several reasons. One... They have to be pastiching old boy. Have you ever seen old boy? I have not seen old boy. Of course. (laughs) There it is. It's tears. It's (laughs) dude. Honestly, (laughs) the original old boy. That is probably my favorite fight scene of all time is the Mm. hallway fight in the old boy. And everybody knows that fight scene. Anyone who's seen the movie, even if you've only seen it. I've heard of the hallway fight in old boy. And even if you've only seen the movie once and it was in 2003 or four when it came out, whatever. You, you, it's stuck with you because mm. it's so awesome. And this is 100% a nod to that. But I also think that it was... Like, at first I thought, oh, they're just nodding to old boy. But the more it went on, the more I was like, you know what? I think that we're supposed to be looking at it from God's point of view right now. Mm. Like, I think we were... I think he's directly watching it. Yeah. And I think it's another one of those instances where, like, we... Now that his hand has kind of been tipped and uh, to the viewer and we know that he's kind of orchestrating stuff and, yeah. and observing because some again some pretty crazy shit happens in this scene that could be attributed to luck but it could also be to god being like helping out a little bit yes. and, and getting him through it and i think that initially we're just in the moment like yeah look at jesse doing his thing and then when it pulls back that's kind of our cue that he's got some help and then it goes back in yeah, because you get the point where he like, uh, like basically get to a burly brawl point of like everybody's dog piled on Jesse, yes. and then somehow and it gets out. broken out. That's yeah. interesting. I didn't think about that at all in the context. We also of the get scene. those beats of like the knife coming to his face and like time stopping essentially, and it seems like he's even getting a second to evaluate how he gets out of it, mm-hmm. and then he 
proceeds to get out of that's it. That's really interesting. I didn't necessarily even put that together. Plus, so, then we see God in the house later. Yes, and 100%. I think that maybe you're on the one hand, you can take away from that he was there participating, but I think that that's maybe what we would have thought for with like season two or three God. But uh, I think that he was just there kind of keeping an eye on the situation and he's watching the plan, which makes my head spin because this runs contrary to God's agenda from the comic. So at this point, I don't really understand. Well, and before we get to that, like I, I, um, the, the thing that the knife moment coming close to his face, Mm -hmm. uh, for me, I was a little baffled because I felt like they were doing the hot tub time machine with his eye, (laughs) you know, (laughs) I, I didn't like, even think of that. I was like, "Why would you? Why would you do that? It's only been in, uh, you know, man. like it, it's Two only episodes. been in the credits, really." And yeah. like, yeah, so we don't really, know. yeah. So, that's hilarious. I that, no, I didn't even think of that. That's funny. <laughs> so though. that's where my head went, rather than like divine intervention. You just think they're gonna keep faking out <laughs> the eye. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, but um, that to this day remains one of the funniest <laughs> jokes I've ever seen in Hot Tub Time Machine. That yes. had me roaring, and that was not a very funny movie, but that part was amazing it was fantastic but so that that was what i kind of thought of that but to your broader point of like we we learn i guess we'll get there eventually but anyway jesse like the idea that this is being used as propaganda to start a worldwide manhunt for jesse like Mm -hmm. what happened at the desaad house it seems like god is giving the grail the tools to hunt Jesse down, basically to put everybody on the case to like have the manpower to actually take him down or put enough between put enough on the way to God that Jesse will never actually reach him. Right. Yeah, that's true. That's kind of the way that I saw it. And obviously, you know, you're saying that it's running, contrary to how god in the comics works it's not you don't necessarily have to go into detail or anything but i can see a through line of like why god might be doing it but it obviously might not line up with what you know from the books right yeah i think there's a crucial bit of information about the dynamic between god and jesse in the book that hasn't been explained yet in the show okay that would probably help clarify a lot for everybody but um, we'll see if that comes to pass. Yeah. But yeah, the uh, the fight ultimately ends in tragedy. Yes, with the with, poor little kid. Yeah, and that that that's the other like crazy coincidence moment of like, oh, it just so happens that he got shot in the head through a door, through a, another guy's head, probably. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So um, that moment was actually made. There were a few moments in this fight that made me laugh out loud at the choreography, and one was just the him headshotting three guys in a row as the gun. <laughs> I was like, this is how I feel playing every far every far cry game. That's me. Yep. In every far cry game. Headshots everybody, yep. knives, beat them up, can't get touched. Super aim assist. Yes, exactly. <laughs> that was great. I did actually laugh as as bleak as the moment was when she's decided ran in and was like, I think you broke my nose. Mm-hmm. Like that <laughs> for some reason, like the blocking of the shot and delivery really made me laugh. Like I was like, that's a pretty perfect <laughs> joke to cap this whole thing off. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like Jesus actually getting, oh, destroyed, completely destroyed, liquefied. That was nuts. That was so much more violent than I thought they could get away with. 
so like the pilot's reaction to it which i think is also like an interesting point the idea like so i don't know uh said as the pilot drives off we see god standing at the window inside the desad house in his man dog suit fitting right in you know he's going incognito but Mm -hmm. the uh, incognito but uh the (laughs) the pilot like getting back to the car and being like unable to process what he witnessed and jesse using the word to like wash it out of his mind i thought was interesting i don't necessarily know exactly what it means there was some very good stuff on our discord that joseph was saying about like we're being set up for this idea that like Jesse's using the word, but never really actually doing any good with it. Um, that happens a lot in the book. You know, there is a specific, there's a similar act of mercy like that involving memory that he does do in the comic to a character to let them forget Mm. something. And it does also stand out quite a bit because he's usually telling someone to like go fuck themselves using the word and watching them do it. Like it's usually something really brutal and like nasty and sadistic to somebody, which is like kind of an important thing to remember about Jesse. I think is that he does have a pretty twisted side to him as well. And like Cassidy kind of identified it earlier in the season. And even like, you know, he pretty much the psychological evaluation of Tulip is could it could fit jesse as well like he definitely likes violence yeah for sure as much as he tries not to i mean remember that first fight scene in season one when he snaps that guy's arm yep. and that grin on his face yeah as a viewer for the first time you're just kind of exhilarated by like the the protagonist like taking action yeah but at the same time it's kind of a red flag of like oh this guy is really this preacher is delighting in the pain and he's of, good at it yeah. yeah he's really good at it so there is a similar instance in the book where he does actually use the word for some good and he shows some like remorse for something that somebody had to witness and he helps them forget it so the pilot was he was up to something in there he was having a little fun yeah somewhere yeah pantsless as he pantsless exited. pilot yeah yeah he went in there to <laughs> Help out this kid and instead found something else more interesting. <laughs> yeah, the pilot's code definitely amounted to nothing, <laughs> as we were previously speaking <laughs> about. Oh, yeah. Um, all right, anything else about the Desad House? Uh, I just think I had the one note that said, well, good stuff, Desad. There it is. It's all over. All right. <laughs> he's in He's in an episode and then he's, <laughs> out. he's out. Which yep. honestly, again, uh, kind of like the um, the sex detectives. I don't really mind. Like, it, it's cool that they made the show and I'm kind of cool with like that being it. Like, it's a little, it's a little funny because I know that, I know from the Discord too that like when other comic readers saw Desaad in the window in the previous episode, we we're like, oh shit, they're, d-. I remember thinking to myself, oh, they're doing Jesus Desaad. That's awesome. Like, yeah. I did not expect that. And the fact that he's just one and done essentially is kind of okay, but at the same time, it it, it to a reader, you're thinking there's going to be more to it, mm. and there really isn't. Well, and the weird thing is that it seems like it just plays into this bigger plan to get more people on Jesse's tail, right? Which yeah. I think it served a function. It's it definitely served a function, and that's something that I think we talked about in the past of like the fact that there are these kind of warring factions or people that want the word or jesse for some reason yeah that seems like we are building to that especially with this hitler stuff that's coming up that is very true yeah that's a good point i also like i do like this portrayal of god though it's i mean i've 
that's no secret if you've been listening. <laughs> but I like, you know, people in, in real life ask all the time, like, if there is a God, why does he let so much bad stuff happen? And there is no good answer for that for no. anybody. Yeah. But it does bring, I think, some... It's worth noting that he is willing to set up this house full of deviants to be killed by this guy and wiped off his uh, wiped off everyone's plate in order to serve some other plan. And it's interesting that God is willing to just like let these people get mowed down by him when he could conceivably do something else. Yeah, from what we understand. But instead he's like, No, I'll let Jesse Custer stab and, and kill and next <laughs> well, the snap same, and that's kind of the Saints thing too to Eugene is like bring it up with god man this is his plan i'm killing yep. these people they're dying like that's true you know he's letting it happen exactly yeah. so that is interesting no that's the, one of the things that i always think about i don't remember where how or if it's just this kind of general reading on you know ancient religions that i've gathered over time but the idea of like greek mythology and the greek gods are these very petulant and um self-absorbed people that are using their powers kind of willy-nilly and doing whatever they want with it it's always been kind of a an interesting in in uh, interpretation that maybe has come more into focus thousands of years later mm-hmm. you know whereas in terms of christianity also been around for thousands of years at this point <clears throat> but um even more recently times of like pilgrims and such and and the idea of like god is this thing to be feared because you need to obey him and follow his rules period right um you you learn of of you learn a lot of things in in catechism and things like that of like hey god is good and but that's just what you get told you know who knows what God actually That's is. That's someone's reading of the situation. Exactly, yeah. yeah. So I think looking, I like the fact that Preacher is portraying this like, what if what if God didn't give a fuck anymore and is like, has his own agenda to... Yeah, it. that's what makes it so good. <laughs> yeah. That's one thing that makes it so good and is largely absent from the show. Well, but I think it's coming through. <laughs> it is, it is now. It, now it, that is, that is... Some of what I really like about this episode in this season, it's like, okay, uh, we're getting there. <laughs> I mean, since like season two of our show. Preacher's like, starting. <laughs> exactly. I've been like saying since like season two of our show, like, hey, this is all good. When are we going to start chasing after God though? Because ultimately that's what it's, a, that's kind of the main thrust of the book. And, mm-hmm. you know, there's lots and lots and lots and lots of other stuff that goes on too. But like that. Is, is the, is the, is the tagline of Preacher, what if God was one of us? <laughs> <laughs> Probably should be. <laughs> oh man, that was really, really good, but really bad. Um, yeah, I mean, there's so much about preacher that has fascinated me since my first read. But that idea, at its core, that God would say, "We're at the dinosaur level now, where we're all eating our own shit." Like, and he's like, "I'm out." Like, Fuck it, I'm done. <laughs> exactly. Like, okay, a, what if that happened? And b, what if this being Genesis did exist and went into this preacher and he made it his mission to go find God and hold him responsible and mm-hmm. say, like, you don't get to walk away. You made this mess. You got to stand by it, kind of thing. That, uh, despite all the other crazy stuff that happens in preacher, has always been to me one of the most fascinating parts. And the fact that we're 
finally getting into that is great. And it's not like not that it's too late necessarily. I've, I've enjoyed everything else so far, but it's just like this is so much more rewarding to me. Yeah. And that's why a preacher is such a, it's such a hard sell. Cause if you try to tell somebody to read it, like, Oh, what's it about? Well, uh, you know, you've seen almost four seasons of the show now. How the hell would you, what's the <laughs> elevator pitch to somebody? Like if you wanted yeah, to tell I your mom to try it out, not that you're going to recommend preaching yeah. to your mom, but, um, <laughs> You know what I mean? Like yeah. it's, you're like, well, this guy he goes looking for God, but he's got this power to make everyone obey what he says, and he's traveling with his ex girlfriend. I think and, I would say, a, what if God was one of us? And a vampire, and well, there there are vampires, but uh, <laughs> you know what I mean? It just yeah, there's yeah. angels, and there's this thing called the Santa Killers, and like it just gets, it just is this crazy hairball of just of beauty. But anyway, TLDR, the God stuff is really cool. I like it. And I, like you basically you're putting into focus of like how good season one was as like the primer. <clears throat> yeah. And like, here's what's at play in this universe. It's weird that you could almost take the end of season one and the beginning of four and just connect them. And it would probably kind of work <laughs> in a very strange way. Yeah. <laughs> that is interesting. But it, it wouldn't. I mean, there's lots. Yeah. There's lots of callbacky type stuff. But at the same time, like, well, we're not talking about Anvil. Or any of that, or I'm, I'm sorry, not Anvil, uh, uh, Angelville, mm-hmm. uh, or the French Quarter stuff. But that's kind of the way the book is too. A lot yeah. of it is very like these little self-contained like biomes of story, and they're all interlinked in a greater way. Yeah. But I'm glad that you're you're really f- focusing in on this too and asking these kind of questions and and taking note of of you know the bigger, to me the biggest discussion of what preacher is about is like, you know these questions of God and his his obligation to stand by his creation even if we continue to you know just look out the window eat our poop yes yeah exactly. so to speak mm-hmm. all right um as jesse waits for his plane to depart at the airport hitler stops by to offer jesse a place in hell <laughs> hitler firmly believes jesse belongs in hell and thinks he'll end up there sooner or later he also thinks god will never let jesse near him Jesse uses the word on Hitler to demonstrate his power and then leaves to catch his personal flight. Jesse's on the plane when a slight jolt of turbulence turns on the in-flight entertainment to show a new story about the rampage at the Desaad house, calling him evil incarnate and starting a worldwide manhunt for him. The plane turbulence worsens and as Jesse imagines Tulip chastising him for not saying goodbye, we hear metal ripping as the screen cuts to black. Um, so Hitler's back. I surprisingly am, am not as like, ugh, as much as I thought I would be of him showing up. Yeah. Um, do you agree? <laughs> like, do, do I agree? You feel that way? Or? <laughs> <laughs> no. How, how do you, how do you feel about Hitler's continued presence in the show? Yeah, that, uh, it didn't bother me as much because uh, I think I agree with you. Like this feels like maybe an acceptable place for Hitler in this show, <laughs> but I also he's thought, a stand-in for Satan at this point. Yeah, which is exactly like, you like if you're gonna have somebody do it, yeah, you got a good candidate. There. Yep. Uh, I thought though there was a second where I was like, oh they're gonna do it he's just gonna kill him he's gonna uh, make him choke himself to death and it's gonna be awesome that that would have been good <laughs> and then when he didn't i was like eh, that's okay yeah but at the same time i was like why 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 not why would you stop that's the thing i feel like comic jesse if hitler had showed up and asked him he'd have been like you just would have made him kill himself and then be like that's it like <laughs> done but at the same time 
can you really kill him? Is he just going to go back to hell? Is yeah. he just going to reset to hell? Yeah. It doesn't. Was he even physically actually there? Well, I mean, yeah, presumably he was. He yeah. came through some sort of hell mouth somewhere. <laughs> yeah. What what is what are what are Hitler's powers now as the head of hell? <laughs> Jesus. I don't know. <laughs> the uh I, <laughs> I forgot until we were listening to some of our recap about Satan's office. His like yeah. ridiculously <laughs> LCD dorky, floor that yeah. like has flames on it. Yeah, pretty good. Um, I wonder what it looks like now. <laughs> the uh, <clears throat> I am still left wondering why we spent all that time with Hitler, though. Well, and so I guess my question is here: Hitler says something about being in town for a convention. I am kind of wondering if he's in on the plan between the grail and god and hitler like is it this weird triumvirate of forces trying to affect jesse in some way maybe although it would have been a great reason to make fun of something i can't think of yet but like him being saying i'm in town for a convention and then cutting to like <laughs> yeah and like an art show or something yeah or like something that we actually collectively as people generally think is bad but <laughs> You know what I mean? I'm trying to think of an example, and I'm I'm really coming up short. It's um, just the opposite of the Geneva Convention. Yeah, maybe or like much. like a Smash Mouth concert or something. <laughs> you know, I don't want to use them as the example, but something like that that we all kind of universally use of Nick Lavelle. No, a hundred percent. It's a bad example because I have no ill will towards Smash it's Mouth. A, yeah, it's a Nickelback concert. <laughs> better, better choice. <laughs> something like that that we all kind of groan at and uh, and you know want to say is bad it just feels like it would have been in line with like genesis flying into tom cruise and exploding like mm-hmm. it's something like that yep yeah i write in with your better examples <laughs> i i mean no disrespect or ill will towards smash mouth or nickelback or any other wildly successful musician yes yeah yeah i don't know uh was it maybe he's there for a screening of the room <laughs> maybe <laughs> <Jeez>. <laughs> Yeah. All right. Uh, I don't know. Any other thoughts? Jesse on the plane again, remembering Tulip. I don't think this is the crash, but it could be. The only reason I don't think that is because of comic baggage I'm carrying with me. Mm. Um, it also feels like this is a, a lost style ending to an episode where they like, uh, make you go, oh, my God, it's, yep. it's happening, and then it's not going to happen yet. Yes. This, is your, this is your hot tub time machine. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Another one. We'll see. No, I do like that Tulip keeps showing up to, to... I like that they are each bothered by how they left it, basically. Mm-hmm. That, and that each one is kind of still speaking to the other. Well, yeah, and, and Jesse also sees Cassidy as well. And Cassidy's obviously dealing with his own stuff. But I think Jesse's clearly set up to reckon with this choice. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and the fact that Tulip is as well, I think, is, is good. I, I, I'm interested... I'm still invested in them. Yeah. The one thing I was going to bring up, not that it really matters that much, uh, you know, we we champions, um, you you specifically championed the relationship between Ruth Nigga and um, Dominic Cooper. Why can't those two kids just work out? The the pessimist in me when I was very unhappy at the fact that the group split up again was kind of like that. I hope this isn't like a we don't want to spend time together on the set anymore kind of situation you know Mm. things that we've heard that i think game of thrones there was a popular one with the actor who played braun was never allowed to be near cersei anymore because they had dated at one point and hated each other and oh really yeah so funny 
you know, and so not not as I said, not that it really should have any bearing on anybody's feelings <laughs> about the show. But there's part of me that was just kind of like, I hope that's not the reason, because. Yeah, Braun is such a stud. That's true. Rock on, Braun. It's <laughs> my man. Uh, I have not watched the last five years of Game of Thrones, so I feel safe saying <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah, you got. You had to qualify it yeah. a little bit. Um, yeah, I don't know what atrocities he commits later. <laughs> yeah, I don't think so. I, I know what you're saying. I think that they're both professional enough. I think so, because too. Because they had already split by like season three, right? Yeah, it was something like that. And, and haven't they split before? I thought I recalled that they were they had been on for like years off and then on for more years. Maybe. I don't know. And they I, had worked. Yeah. I don't know. Anyway, I think that they both. I think I even read an interview with one of them about it where they said that they. They had been so close for so long that it was just nice to have like one of your best friends with you on set all the time. And yeah. I think that's what well, that is something they said about the, the beauty of being in a relationship and working on the show together was they talked about how these can be like 12, 14 hour days. So Ruth's uh, Wikipedia says she was in a relationship with actor Dominic Cooper beginning in 2010. They first met in 2009 while working together in a stage adaptation of Phaedra with Helen Mirren. Ooh. The two lived together in London's Primrose Hill. They, uh, the couple dated for six years. However, she pointed out that it took press years to learn of the breakup, which was first reported in 2018. Oh, okay. So, so that's basically... They've, been, they've yeah. been apart for a few years now. Yeah. Um and she they notably star opposite each other in AMC's Preacher, which the pair portray lovers and has said that they are best friends. So yeah, probably not. I think it's just me being TMZ I honestly about hope it. That they just those two crazy kids just gotta, gotta work, work it out. out. Just yeah. work it out. Mm-hmm. They just uh, <laughs> they're just so good together. Yeah, on screen and I'm sure off that they're, true. that they're a delight. She's American though, right? In real life? I don't think so. Uh, sorry, let me go back here. Got to load it up again. Recently closed. Mm-hmm, yep. Uh, she was born in Ethiopia, but she has Irish citizenship. Oh, wow. And Dominic Cooper. He's English. Or Welsh. Maybe? Dominic Cooper, born in England. Yeah. Yeah, I knew he was. Yep. I thought English she was American. Family. Wow. No. Yeah. Spectacular job. Yeah. Isn't Joe Gilgan also not Irish? Uh, let's take a he look here. Is, I, uh, he's British Isles, I think, but I don't think he's Irish. Joseph William Gilgan is an English actor known for several roles. I mean, I'm no expert, but I think his Irish is pretty, <laughs> I, pretty you bang fucking on. fooled the shit out of me. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that uh, a lot of people I think think that that's a really easy accent to do but it's not like it's an easy accent to do in the terms of like everybody can do the lucky charms commercial but like to actually get it right yeah i think is really tricky and that's uh i'm like i said i'm no expert i just have watched enough british and irish movies over the years that it's easy to tell apart an actual irishman from like a english person trying to do an irish accent and i don't know if you had pointed it out or uh there's those videos online. I'm not sure if it's Vanity Fair or who it is, but somebody's been putting like a an accent expert up against mm. lots of different movie accents and things oh, like that. Is, I would love to read that. So, yeah, I don't know. Well, in it, it, uh, there's a bunch of videos of it online. I'll try to send you the link. But both Joe Gilgan and um, and Ruth Nega have gotten they got shouted out on like the same episode that i watched because of how good their accents are and how different their 
their, their normal native their native are. accents are yeah and how good of a job she does as an american and he does as an irishman yeah so i'll have to find that for you i'll put it in the show notes for anybody who hasn't seen it I as would well love, but i would love that I'll, I'll track it down and and send it your way um fun nick trivia one of my earliest considerations for a major in college was linguistics oh interesting so i really love languages i've Is that why you love avatar Avatar the movie? Yeah. <laughs> I think you've got me confused with <laughs> someone <just> else. <laughs> I was trying to think of the paramount of like f- invented languages. I mean, Tolkien is your man. Well, that's true. Yeah. Dude dude wrote Lord of the Rings because he wanted to invent lang- <laughs> to make because language. Because he needed somewhere to put his languages he had made up. <laughs> he belonged to a linguistics club with a bunch of other uber nerds who Beautiful. would just made up languages together and like would critique each other's languages and like talk about each other's grammar and like this is what they did for fun <laughs> and then he was like i gotta write a world for this shit to be in <laughs> hold on let me like, check my notebook did you did, have we ever spoken now that we need to completely go off the rails in the last of these 90 minutes we've been talking but uh have we ever talked about the lost empire or atlantis the lost empire the, mo- the, the disney, disney movie? movie yeah that shit's sweet okay beautiful I don't know anybody else who's seen that movie, so yeah, the movie's tight. Yeah, I only I, saw it for the first time like three years ago on Netflix. Really? Yeah, that's awesome. I saw it in theaters. Yeah, I think I was a little too old when it okay. came out because that was kind of part of the era when they started doing more computer animation. Yeah, it's in kind of that forgotten like Treasure Planet ish. Treasure Planet is also pretty cool. I've never watched Treasure Planet, so that's I also should. one that I watched as an adult, Interesting. Or, or like as a. You know, quote unquote adult who watches <laughs> whatever I am now, yeah, exactly. <laughs> whatever I was five years ago. Uh, yeah, I liked both of those. I thought they were cool, uh, cool uh, in terms of how they how they meld their animations together. Yeah, and uh, you know, Treasure Treasure Island is a pretty awesome book, and like to mm. to adapt it like that is really sweet. And Atlantis was pretty. They didn't make a few sequels to that, or like I think there's made one sequel. One. I don't think I've seen did it. They do a show. I feel like they did something else, but I could totally be wrong. I don't know. Anyway, I thought Atlantis was pretty cool, but yeah, it had like that that language stuff. I remember thinking the explosives guy was the shit. In oh yeah. Atlantis. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was a cool movie. Yeah. Yeah, languages are. Uh, I, I'm always really impressed when uh, movies or like any sort of uh, fiction has their own like languages in there, and, and even visual languages like symbols and stuff like that. That's part of the reason I really dig the Hellboy comics too. I mean, there's mm. tons of reasons, but. Uh, a lot of the his his world his aesthetic is has lots of his own distinct kind of symbols and like symbology demonic kind of room stuff. yeah which is like really that. cool interesting because yeah that's that's one of the amazing things about language is like there's not only the like written word and spoken word but there's like visual language too like like dance and even like you know uh painting and cinema to, and to an extent extent can be like an extension of language which is really cool yeah it's actually um Man, we're getting way off here, but I'm going <laughs> to roll with it. It's the end anyway. Yeah, so exactly. You can feel free to out. stop listening whenever you want. <laughs> uh, there's a Marvel character called Cypher who, he has actually a couple names. He's a mutant, and his mutant ability is to inherently understand and be able to like replicate any language. That's awesome. It is awesome if you're like this dorky, where you, where you are <laughs> able to say that's awesome, because he was definitely the butt of a lot of jokes back mm. in the day, because writers hadn't really figured out how to use him. Yeah. But eventually writers started figuring out that his ability, that language can extend beyond like, oh, he can just understand Swiss and Russian <laughs> and German. Like they figured He's out like the oh, translator guy. He ex- that's exactly what his function was initially. And, yeah. but then people started being like, oh, he can understand like the language of like the universe and he can understand mm. mathematics and he can talk to computers and machines. And 
someone was like, oh, wait, uh, martial arts is a language. It's a form of expression. So he can just immediately like learn. He knows like all fighting. That's forms pretty and, fucking like, rad. And, and like the language of like uh, mechanics and like piloting and stuff like that. He can just absorb. So he almost is like more of an information absorber who, who can who can intake like information that, that can be transmitted via any sort of conceivable language and then output it. Who was the writer that unlocked his potential? Do you know? I don't know off the top of my head. Has I think, it been I, like a I, gradual slider I think so. Over time? I think like okay. someone would do a little innovation, which is like what makes really long running characters cool is when yeah. people start to do that with characters' powers. It's like multiple man. Like yeah. initially he was created as more of a joke and mm-hmm. now he's my favorite comic book character because of Peter David figured out how to make it cool. Uh, Peter David is probably what was involved in because I think Cypher was part of the new mutants at first. Anyway, this is where Tim, <laughs> Tim could probably weigh in pretty good on this. But to that that idea that characters like that that can seem lame and stupid can be reinvented by somebody and be really cool yeah which is honestly kind of the, what preacher sh- the pr- the show has done for our space <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah i took a character i did not like and actually made him really fantastic Put some compelling even if he's a little uh a little aimless right now at the moment at least they got a car i remember thinking True. like if they don't get out of this episode not with a real means of conveyance then i, I don't know what we're doing what here. if they keep upgrading their <laughs> i just want to get that of moment of the saints on the standing boat. on the bow of the yeah. ship and just taking a storm in the face <laughs> and eugene hiding inside the cabin beautiful yeah, at this point i don't know i don't know what to expect from the season like there's a lot i'm i'm actually surprised at a lot of the things that have happened like the jesus to saw thing bringing him in was kind of a surprise and then immediately killing him was also a surprise i'm like oh all right like it's kind of better to be shocked in a way than like disappointed yeah i guess like my the biggest takeaway that i've got right now from these first three episodes is how dissatisfied i am with how disorderly things feel yeah i could completely and, get behind that but and then i also I don't know if we've talked about it previously or not, but I also kind of hate flash forwards. You know, it was something that I was really conflicted about with um, Breaking Bad because those guys Mm. always, it always felt like they had a plan. But later on, I learned that um, what's Vince Gilligan always was just kind of like, well, we kind of made that to paint ourselves in a corner and figure out how to get there. And so you like encourage that innovation. Yeah. Whereas I think with this of like, we're literally heading into this season. It's going to end. You know how it's going to end. You, the writers know how it's going to end. And you're giving me this little snippet of something in the future. Now my mind is constantly trying to fit the puzzle pieces together and write the Rubik's cube and understand where the, the dots all connect and line up. And I don't, know that I wanted or needed that out of Preacher at this point. Hmm. So I, I'm I'm upset with the editing and I'm upset with, with that flash forward in some ways, but I am still trying to enjoy and, and, and take some of the stuff that's happening in, in between and, and, and enjoy it. So hopefully by the end of the season I kind of feel, okay, it was worth it and I figured it out and, and you know, I get what they were going for, but at this point in time, I'm feel like I'm lost in the, in the in-between of like, all right, I know where things are going, but I don't know how we get there at all. And for a show that's always been more about the characters and what's happening to them to then put this like carrot on a stick of like, here's where we're headed Mm -hmm. just in this final season. I'm kind of, 
Yeah, I think I, I it's a tactic that I think I understand why they're doing it. They're definitely trying to keep people in viewing. Yeah. And it's a I mean it does work. Like now yeah. that I've seen that glimpse of what's to happen, I even though I I know it got me immediately more excited for the season. I'm not going to lie. Like that was one of my first yeah, notes was that. like, "Oh, hell yes." Like mm-hmm. uh, that made me stoked that that's coming. But I'm the the tendency I think with readers is that you've you're charting your own course as to how it's going to get there. And that might not be how it happens. Yeah. It's like the same reason why I'm saying like, oh, I don't think this is the plane crash. I can, yeah. I could a hundred percent be wrong. The next week it might open with the plane going down and Jesse falling out of it or something. And the thing is that that timing still doesn't make a ton of sense to me, but I also am so lost <laughs> that I don't, you're just adrift. Yeah. Yeah. I, I know. I agree. And I, I will say I'm really, really glad that we have maintained our energy level. This episode. <laughs> like to thank my friends <laughs> that's exactly where my mind okay. went when you started when you got to that tone. That beautiful <laughs> like to thank my family uh that's a no, little I, you talking you two to me yeah. and are you talking rem re me joke for those of you that which is another show podcasts. everyone has oh that yes. reminds me your listening recommendation nick please <laughs> i won't finish the thought i just had going <laughs> doesn't matter it's gone no please gone. he's gone I threw it away. Uh, no, my listening recommendation. I had texted Alex uh, probably last year sometime and said, hey, you should listen to the song The Wanderer by U2 yep. slash Johnny Cash. Uh, and I don't remember if I even prefaced it with anything, but I was like, it's basically in a weird way the plot of Preacher, but also kind of the plot of like every Fallout game and mm. very post-apocalyptic-y kind of... <clears throat> anyway... Uh, I grew up in a household that played a lot of U2, thanks to my brother, who's a massive U2 fan. I like U2 for the most part. Uh, there are definitely massive deficits in their catalog that I don't think are good at all. But they think they have a lot of worth. But I think definitely in my top five favorite U2 songs of all time would be this song, mm. which they don't sing on. I mean, they're there in like the background, but it's sung by Johnny Cash. And there's a lot of interesting trivia around the song itself and uh, when it was written. I think it's on Zuropa. I'm looking it up right now. Okay. I think it's on the album Zuropa. But um, I think I was listening to it on the way here. It is on Zuropa. Yep. Yeah. I think it's the last track on the album. It's a really fascinating song. And it's it's it really stands out in their catalog uh, because of what it's about. And also just musically, it's pretty unique and pretty distinct. And also the fact that it's sung by Johnny Cash makes it awesome. But when I listen to it, I, and this is a song I've known of for 15 years, probably. Yeah. Like this is a song I've heard throughout my life a lot. But it clicked for me one day. Uh, I don't remember at what point, but I was like, oh, my God, that's basically what Preacher's about in a weird way. And I would encourage everyone to, if you don't know it already, seek it out. And even if you don't like U2, give it a listen because it's a really, really cool song. Yeah. And, uh, you know, write in and let us know what you think. If you think I'm just, you know, hearing what I want to hear and it doesn't actually tie in, but I kind of feel like certain verses are from the perspective of Jesse and certain verses are actually from the perspective of God. And sometimes the two are kind of intermingling with each other and mm. it's from the perspective of both of them. But the song has got to predate Preacher by like a decade yeah. or something. So I wonder if, in a weird way, it almost maybe helped inspire it, or uh, whether consciously or unconsciously. I don't know, but the the similarities are so close that I feel like either they were both inspired by something even further so back. Yeah, somebody, they tapped into the same 
you know just the same idea that mm-hmm. yeah what if god was walking around on earth what would he think what would he say which is probably something that's been written about many 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 times but uh th- th- i think it works really well as a companion piece to the show and to the book and uh i would encourage everybody to check it out so that yeah, and then on top of that, if you could add on Joan Osborne's "What if God was one of us?" I think it. <laughs> Is that what you googled really quickly? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I saw you typing really rapidly, and I was like, "What is he looking up?" <laughs> That's true. <sighs> you get to undermine my point, and listen I'm to sorry. That. Honestly, that song makes me think of Austin Powers now. I think of um, <laughs> Bruce Almighty. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Also. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. the wanderer Sorry. is on Spotify. Uh, I listened to it on the way here. And I was very close to. Uh, I had a catastrophic computer failure Ooh. earlier this year, uh, a couple oh, yes. weeks ago. Really I didn't know that. Yeah, and um, I did not have a copy of uh, All In by the Red Thread anywhere at my fingertips, and it kind of disappeared off the internet where I originally got it from. I think. But anyway, I was close to being like, all right, I'm going to put the wander in. Like, I was going to do it, but then I was just kind of like, I at the same you, time. I wonder like, if you could. Part of me think nobody really cares, and if somebody did, then they'd send me a cease and desist, and then I could just edit it out and yeah. put something else out. But at the same time, I was also kind of like, well, you know, we've done f- four years of the show. Maybe I should keep the TV side of it one thing, and if we want to ah. do something else for the comic, we can consider now what we would like talking. to do. So either way, we should we could either do that or or lead out of our final episode of this show with it. True, it is kind of fitting. Very true. Well, I gotta say the song I forgot to mention in our episode the song that played in the first episode of this season during the montage of Jesse like leaving uh, was really good. Yeah, I think it was in the first episode. It might have been in the second episode. I no, you're right. It's at the end of the first episode. I had it looked up on YouTube because I was listening to it. That song is not on Spotify. Uh, it's called "Just Like the Old Days" by the band called the Swayback. okay it is not on spotify which i was stunned i was like i've only looked up maybe three songs ever that i could not find on spotify uh but it is on youtube and uh it's a really cool song and it i thought it suited the the show and the moment really well and i you know i really would love if people would make a playlist of songs that are all kind of in the same vibe i think that'd be really cool because it's not it's not just country music it's not just rock music there's a specific kind of tone kind of lone man wandering kind of vibe, which also, again, reminds me a little bit of Fallout. Yeah. And that's always the songs I wish were on, like, the Fallout radio, but instead it's, like, big band and <laughs> stuff <laughs> like that. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, yeah, uh, check out that song and let us know what you think. Or, you know, don't let us know or don't check it out. But I recommend it. Now, thank you to everybody who's written to us. We're looking forward to receiving more feedback throughout yeah. the uh, season. Please so. keep them coming because, honestly, it's a huge bright spot Absolutely. Like, I did not count on getting any feedback this <laughs> season at all, and it has definitely been, like, a kind of a buoy. I'm glad that the core players are with us, the people yes. that we've been hearing hearing from since the beginning are still here. So yeah, and then uh, the guys we didn't even – we barely mentioned, like, Bruce and Joseph and uh, and Tommy, or those guys in the Discord that have all been very active as well. Yeah, absolutely. Dave. The Discord, some great discussion after every episode. There, there, there are some good – the other thing – oh, I did forget to mention it, and I'm sad that I waited until now to mention it. But um, Joseph did post, he said, regarding the Lost Apostle, Google says that the 12 Apostles are pillars of – rock in the ocean near melbourne australia one of them was called the lost apostle but it was shaped more like a sailboat and it collapsed in 2005 and he posted a link to this fine art website that someone's selling prints of the 12 apostles that is amazing 
and so I'll, I'll put that in the show notes as well. But thank you very much, Joseph, for bringing that up. It's not, it's really like visually not much like the phallic shaped no. mountain of the show. No, but, but if it's the lost apostle, if it's like the 13th apostle or yeah. something like that, or, you know, whether that's just a funny name for the rock that's not part of that formation, but seems like it should be. Yeah. Or if there will actually be this weird greater conspiracy of a 13th apostle no one knows about. Yeah. It's, uh, and that kind of stuff is awesome. It makes me think of uh, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Yeah. Like a lot of the weird religious stuff that kind of follows that that grail, the the, the quest for the grail and that. Absolutely. Like that city. Where is that city? That's a, It's where the climax of Last Crusade takes place. You know that big... Uh, yeah, I see it on the National Geographic yeah, Instagram real. all the time. I didn't know that. I didn't know that was real <laughs> I until I was like that. twenty, and I was like, "Are you kidding me?" Yeah, that's real. That blew my mind. Like, I did not know that that was an actual place, and it's just incredible looking. I think it's somewhere in. Is it in Turkey? Uh, I know. I just saw another picture. Uh, Jordan. It's in Jordan. The Canyon of the Crescent Moon. That is unbelievable. Yeah. Let's take that this show there. <laughs> yeah. Let's go back there. That place is sweet. Yeah, I mean Masada's very much mm. like of the same That's true. of yeah. the same ilk. It is kind of cut from the same cloth, yeah, totally. But uh no, yeah, I absolutely. Well, this has been a good long yeah, loquacious hopefully you enjoyed those uh, extra 30 minutes of <laughs> uh, other material that's in there. Non-preacher related. We'll know that uh, we'll give you the I'll give you the same code word that we've given to other people that have gotten through impossibly long episodes of our show. Tweet at me the word cicada if you made it this far. <laughs> have you done that before? Yeah, I did it oh, once okay. and David Steele was the only person that <laughs> He's tweeted. He's the only one that stays through to the end. Yeah, but... These, yeah, these are these sound like like Xbox error codes or something yes. or De- Destiny error <laughs> codes. <laughs> Songbird. <laughs> uh, once again, you can find more episodes of our podcast at g2tpodcast.com. We're also on TV Time, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, and Google Play Music. We're G2T Podcast on Twitter, and you can email us at g2tpodcast at gmail dot com to tell us what you think of our podcast and share your thoughts on AMC's preachers so we can read them on our show. Send us corrections, observations, or anything regarding Preacher or our podcast. The Midwest Podcast Network has other shows about video games, horror movies, FX's The Alienist, and HBO's Westworld. Find out more about these shows as well as how to support the network at MidwestPodcastNetwork.com. Our theme song is still the movie, or the movie, the music, the song, All In by The Red Thread, and it is being used under a non-commercial Creative Commons license. And that's all for this episode of Gone to Texas. We can't wait to see what next week's episode of Preacher brings. But until then, go forth and speak the good word.